Reading this morning is from Second uh, Corinthians, the third chapter. Since then, we have such a hope, we act with great boldness. Not like Moses, who put on a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside. But their minds were hardened, indeed, to this very day, When they hear the reading of the Old Covenant, that same veil is still there, since only in Christ is it set aside. Indeed, to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. The Word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. Well, what a day. (laughs) And it's a wonderful opportunity to be here with you and and to give you a, a... a little bit of what has been, and, and Joe has done so, such a wonderful job of also putting us out into the future. Um, but as a background, I want to say that um, this church originally was scheduled to be dually aligned with the North Carolina Baptist State Convention connected to the Southern Baptist Convention, and the five-year-old at that time, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship of North Carolina, uh, National CBF at that time was 11. And as Joe heard, though, um, as we were beginning, uh, we had been told numerous times that 9 out of 10 uh, church starts fail. But here we are, a teenager well beyond all that, and you are amazing. You are a bunch of sturdy, fresh new members as well as sturdy persistent, more seasoned ones. And your reputation goes even far beyond this place and wide even beyond what what you are aware of. Well, who would have thought of it? In a conservative area already full of Baptist churches, a cooperative Baptist fellowship group, what in the world was that? Uh, and we, we had 11 first members. Often church starts begin with 75 or something like that. We had the promise of about $30,000 uh, for that first year, kind of a small church budget. But it came from CBF of North Carolina, from these wonderful five area churches that, that Joe mentioned, as well as some other churches in North Carolina, Alabama, and South Carolina, And then there were dream-building individuals that gave some even once a month. And then there was this Baptist newspaper at that time that was always reporting negativity about Providence. And then there was a female minister 
Only in the imagination of the Holy Spirit could such a church get off the ground. But this was not inexpensive. Buddy Corbin, then pastor of Calvary in Asheville, was the vice president of the Baptist State Convention. And in that is in the workings of that, he lobbied heavily for this church to receive some designated church start funds that had been given by moderate churches. But in November of 2002, he lost re-election to his post because of Providence, in spite of his great popularity across the state. And so he was and is a gracious friend, and some of you may have met him uh, last Saturday at the picnic. Well, Carl Sandburg once said, nothing happens unless it first is a dream. And I've heard Julie say that several times, but I need to confess that Providence, as Joe mentioned, was not originally my dream. You were only in the imagination of the Holy Spirit. In 2001, I was the associate pastor during an interim at First Baptist Church in Asheville. And then Joe told you about that group of ministers meeting, of which one of those was the, the, the former pastor at First Baptist. And so after he left, Buddy Corbin would call me and say, Gail, we're having this meeting. And I'd say, Buddy, I cannot go to one more meeting. I am up to here in this interim. And you may talk to Michelle and find out some what that's about. But um, one day, though, he said, we are getting ready to start that church. And I thought, wow, this is serious. And they're going to come to First Baptist Asheville wanting some funds and nobody will know anything about that, so I better get myself to those meetings and bring information uh, back to this church. And so then one of the other uh, meetings of this group was held at the local Carolina Association, and the director of missions there emphatically said, there will be no CBF church in Henderson County. Well, those meeting ministers, there was Joe, and Tommy Justice, as you know, is Pat Reese's brother, pastor at Mars Hill, who'd grown up in Hendersonville, really wanted this church in Hendersonville. And then there was Jim McCoy at Weaverville and Buddy Corbin. And then there was another pastor who left his church. That church was not a part of this. Um, but right after that meeting, when that guy said that, those fellows started talking about who would be the pastor. I thought, what are they talking about? But I even named some wonderful women who could easily begin this congregation. And then someone said, what about you, Gail? Well, this was not my original dream. That day, I was simply taking care and working at the church where I worked and sort of taking care of myself. But that call was from the Holy Spirit. Carl Jung the psychotherapist, invented a term called synchronicity. Maybe you had heard it. Syn, S-Y-N, of course, implies with or together. And then the, the, ter the word chrono, C-H-R-O-N-O, refers to time. And he says synchronicity is the a-causal or seemingly unrelated events are such coming together coincidentally 
that result in meaning, and these are his words, or providence. Unexpected providence. Well, preacher Joel Gregory, who teaches at Baylor, observed about synchronicity. He said, one, the more you look for it, the more you see it. Secondly, that synchronicity is at work irregardless of where we are or what we are doing. And that synchronicity, in synchronicity, um, other people or circumstances are part of the apparently a-causal events leading to meaning. Well, listening to Gregory last May, all of a sudden I realized that he was describing at least a part of the imagination of the Holy Spirit. Agnostic Young um, missed the glory and beauty and mystery of the Holy Spirit of God, but he might have been onto something. Well, you heard that yarn about Saul and Samuel and God's synchronicity in that. But I need to tell you that Dutch and I can relate to that. Tuesday morning, as I went down the driveway, there were two lost horses at our driveway. Fortunately, though, this was the second time that had happened, and so we knew how to get in touch with the owners who lived at the bottom of our hill. Zuff was not very far away for them. But Saul, getting from Zuff, looking for donkeys, and ending up being anointed a king? There are some other biblical texts that sort of go like that, I think, too. But did you see God's synchronicity in that? Handsome Saul being groomed to be the leader of a wealthy family, though he came from the poor, the smallest tribe that had a bad reputation. Um, and then... But the so there was Saul, and the donkeys had to get lost, and then Saul was charged to find them, and then in synchronicity there was another person, even besides Saul's dad, who was part of the a causal events, and so after three unfruitful days, Saul says, "Now Daddy's going to be more concerned about us than about those long lost donkeys, so we better get home." And what would have happened if Saul had been headstrong, as later he proved to be? What would have happened if he had decided to go back home? And then how on earth did that young man know about a dependable prophet in the area who just might know where those donkeys were? Well, they got to the well at Zuff. And did you notice that drawing water at the well is kind of a place in the biblical text of God's synchronicity. <laughs> well, but in my mind's eye at that place, I can see that small flock of girls, sort of like those that appear in Port Wayne in the TV Doc Martin series, kind of flouncy teenagers, but they seem to know everything that's going on in town. Well, with their a-causal directions, Saul and his friend find Samuel have dinner in an overnight being assured that the donkeys are already found. But then there is that additional synchronicity of the aside in the text when the day before God figuratively cupped the ear of Samuel, telling him to anoint this Benjaminite as the first king of Israel. Now Samuel did not want a king. And he could have said, I'm not going to do that. 
But perhaps if you're like Samuel and your ear is often cupped to hear God, when you hear, you listen, and then you move into action. But it's a story of chasing donkeys and ending up being anointed a king. The synchronicity. Well, did you see God's synchronicity at Providence? What had to happen? Well, first, in seventh, in, there's some politics. Well, let me just, some of you may not know this, so let me give it to you quickly. In 1979, fundamentalists or conservatives, as they like to be known, took over the Southern Baptist Convention, which was a huge umbrella of all kinds of Baptists. Uh, but they left behind some folks who did not want to interpret Scripture literally. Uh, these folks wanted to use some of the scholarly, historical, and narrative tools to work at what the text really might be saying. And they really tried to work together. But in 1991, these Mark Baptists joined together, 6,000 of them in Atlanta, to begin the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. And then in 1995... Uh, CBFers in North Carolina began to work at their motto, which is bringing Baptists in North Carolina together for Christ-centered ministry. Sort of the last straw was in 2000 when the Southern Baptist Convention revived, revised their Baptist faith and message, writing out the statement that the biblical text is to be interpreted through Christ that women cannot be ordained, and they took a stab at the value of the church autonomy when they said the pastor was to be the ruler of the church, all against Baptist freedoms. So that had to happen, the politics. And next, and there were these moderate ministers in Asheville that had this church-planting dream, and then they heard the call of the pastor at First Baptist Hendersonville who called and said, you have to start a CBF church in Hendersonville. I have 24 people that will come. Um, and this was a Southern Baptist church. How odd. But the other thing, though, notice, though, that he resigned the next day. Uh, but... <laughs> but next, next in Hendersonville, uh, or next in Asheville... I knew that my duties as the associate pastor in the interim time were coming to an end because they were getting ready to call Guy Sales. And then, miraculously, through the state convention, Dutch and Buddy and I went to the church planting training, which gave me a wonderful undergirding for the beginning of a congregation. So all those things sort of stacked up along there, and every month I spent two, three hours writing thank you letters for people all over the place who gave resources. Once, when I was collecting used hymnals, the WMU lady at First Baptist Asheville said, can we not get you new hymnals? And so they ordered those wonderful red hymnals that we used for a good number of years. And and we were able to have, of course, at that Mass General store. And then by September, you've seen pictures of the Sunday school class in the barbershop next door, which took a little bit of planning to get that going. But initially, only two couples had volunteered, the Wiggins and the Boyles, but they would take care of the money and the music before we even started. 
and guess what? The, the theater even had an electric piano, and there was a First Baptist Asheville lady who drove from Weaverville to Hendersonville every Sunday for six months to play the piano. But then the Boyles had health problems, and guess what? Annette Brown and Robert Hudson were right here to continue the excellency of music. The imagination of the Holy Spirit, I could not have planned that. But then learning about publicity from the church start plan, uh, planning, I went to the Times News uh, to get some kind of article about this church start. And I was thinking something, you know, about like that. Well, the wonderful lady there did a half-page article with some on the backside and a color photo. And this article drew most of our first members. I just mentioned that to her, and he said, well, he had called me first, and I said, well, look at the newspaper. But that was where the initial early folks got their first news of Providence. And then there was a man at First Asheville that had a house about five blocks from here that he offered to us free for six months that we used for uh, small meetings and for an office space. And remarkably, by the end of 2001, we had the opportunity to rent this building from a Wisconsin-centered Lutheran church who were moving to Asheville. And they gave us the first right of refusal to purchase it. And so we moved here in February 2002, purchased the place at the end of the year, and paid for it in three years. And that's a whole nother uh, uh, story with that. But... As we paid for that house, the Providence House came available. It's now renovated and paid for, the imagination of the Holy Spirit. And so along the way, though, this was not just all haphazard and hanging on to, to the to imagination of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit led us into, there were things that we learned to depend on the Spirit for planning that we did. So all these things fit together. We didn't plan it, but we accepted the grace of others and listened to God who cupped our ears. We became good, of course, at spotting the work of the Holy Spirit synchronicity. We didn't really connect that word at that time, nor did we know the term, the imagination of the Holy Spirit. In March of 02, at the state CBF gathering at First Baptist Greensboro, at the last minute, the planners called and said, would you talk five minutes about Providence? And, of course, this was before the final benediction. But on the way there, I was driving along. I had some of the stuff I have listed off to you on a piece of paper, scrappy paper, and I, I knew that the Holy Spirit was the topic of that speech I was going to give. But on the way over, I was searching for a word that reflected the deep involvement of God's Spirit. And finally, I thought, you know, I'm just going through the alphabet and find, see if I can find a word. And so it was action, communication, foundation, and I even got to I and the word inspiration. But there was that word, imagination. Aha. And that phrase was born and it had already been in the midst of this congregation. And each of you coming, 
your contributions, your being, and the ongoing evidence of the imagination of the Holy Spirit of God is still among us. Well, the previous search committee knew about that. For a year, they had worked and had many resumes in hand, but they were discouraged. But they decided to begin again, and they advertised in Baptist Today, which is now known as Nurturing Faith. Julie in Texas saw that ad and responded. And what incredible new dimension she has brought to this congregation that are a part, a vital part of our life together. Emphasis on the Christian practices, um, new local um, missions at work uh, with the Joseph, uh, Joseph Center, Brookdale, uh, Homes for Hope, uh, the Cuban mission, uh, and the fellowship and the uh, worship around the church year continues, Bible study, uh, music, pastoral care, even by lay folk, and so on. What a healthy church. And even now, Michelle was here when the interim occurred, and this congregation continues with her leadership to grow in ways to facilitate our spiritual growth personally and as a congregation. And those values we read, they continue to form and to lead us. But, but finally... In faithful intentionality, each of you is the presence of Christ in all the places you are. Everywhere you go, work and play in school uh, and, and at home. And this is where the gospel meets the road, where Christ is evident. And this is where the church is every day. So this church, though, is not simply our work, our growth, our mission, our individual faith journeys, though this is happening because we cup our ears and listen and out of that discern and plan and are changed as God cups our ears and we listen. And this church, though, as I mentioned, is also together with other Baptists, uh, with um, other ecumenical groups, um, enlarging our identity, influence, and richness, and giving to the community and the world. Even before the interim, though, Julie led in some discernment of the present and the future of the church. And in discernment process, we learn to bring our personal discernments, sometimes our pet projects, but our personal visions. And in communal discernment, we hear those and listen together for the cupping of our ears by the Spirit, our consensus together as to where the church should go in each particular instance. And this folds into the joyous, lively, but hard work of being a church in an interim. Like the gathering we had to grieve Julie's loss, and, and that continues. And like today, celebrating our heritage, uh, like naming our strengths and our resources, and then looking at the opportunities in this area and our rich partnerships. And crucially, we daily pray for our coordinating council and for the search committee as they lead us in this work and then later begin to research the person 
God cups their ear about. Well, the Apostle Paul searched for a metaphor to join that raucous, unruly Corinthian church to see the transformation wrought by the Holy Spirit. And he says, you're not like Moses. When Moses came down from that mountain, the text says he would go into the tabernacle to speak with God. And when he came out, his face was radiant. Well, this bothered the people. And so Moses put a a hood over, a veil over his face to kind of calm down the glory of the Lord. But, But Paul says in Christ, there is no veil. And he says the spirit, the experience with the spirit is sort of like a mirror. And we look, as it were, into the mirror encountering Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is here within us and among us, enabling us to look and see Jesus in creation, in scripture and other literature and art and music and worship and meaningful prayer, in quiet, in simplicity, in each other, and in other people way beyond our comfort zones as we are hospitable, and in our partnerships, in all these places we begin to see Jesus. And then that image of Christ comes to us, is reflected back to us. And some of us respond in different ways to how the Lord speaks to us. But in that response, there is a changing. There is a transformation, and sometimes that's hard. But Paul says we are changed from one degree of glory, God's beauty and mystery, to another. And then that reflection of Jesus in us then emanates from us as being the presence of Christ in the places we are. Dr. Brugman, my teacher, describes this as awed to heaven, captivated by Jesus, and yet rooted in earth. And our experience of Jesus fills and permeates our living and creates our earth journey. And then our, our earth journey leads us back into that, that mirror-like reflection with our Lord in the work of the imagination of the Holy Spirit. And so, folks, we go into year 16, and maybe 15 years from now, well, sure, for 15 years from now, listening as God cups our ears and as we listen and move into action. And we know going that the Spirit's imagination is evident as we look for it, wherever we are and whatever we're doing, Listening, being present, helping, fellowshipping, planning, learning, praying for the search committee and, and, and coordinating council. And we go knowing that the Holy Spirit's imagination is going on whenever and wherever we are. And knowing that other people and circumstances are often those a-causal events that bring about God's providence. And so, in God's imagination, 
We anticipate new folks to join with us, new ahas in our spiritual journeys, baptisms, creative opportunities to join uh, in hands-on ministry. Maybe even we might outgrow this space and have to think about that in the next 15 years. But some of this can begin now in the interim or continue now in the interim. And as long as this congregation turns its eyes upon Jesus as a bouncy teenager church growing into a young adult, the things of earth and the things of our life together will become strangely clear in the light of his glory and grace, which are then being reflected out into the world. What a future! For this teenager, may we pray. This is how we praise you, eternally leading God. We join, as it were, with the angels in praise, but our feet in time and place, awed to heaven, rooted in earth. And we are reminded that before us, There is this one, truly divine, truly human, and we are thankful for him and joyous to be in his missional company. Alleluia. Amen.